0: It. They're going to the second round. This is the All In Leafs playoffs podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place.
1: Holy mackerel!
2: Back here on First Up, Aaron Karolnik, Carlo Koliakovo. There have been just four instances in NHL history of a team coming back from a 3-0 series deficit. The Leafs will begin their attempt at becoming the fifth tomorrow night in Florida. You can hear it on TSN 1050. So, Coco, it's only natural that we welcome in the only man ever to be part of two teams that came back from 3-0 back in 2010 with Philly in 2014 with the LA Kings. Now, Justin Williams may be Mr. Game Seven, but our next guest, he's Mr. Comeback. It's That's Mike right. Richards
3: on First Stop. Good morning, Mike. All hey right,
4: guys, what's going
3: on? Good, Has anybody man. ever called you Mr. Comeback?
4: <laughs> it doesn't roll off the tongue like Mr. It's Game
2: not, 7. It's not, <laughs> not good. It's not, it's not good. Uh, before, <laughs> but before we we get into um, the Leafs and what they need to come back, like what's going on with the fishing out in Kenora, you and Gussie, the world champion fishermen, have you guys been, you know, wetting some lines out there? Fill us in.
4: Yeah, no, not much right now. we, uh, still cool up here we just had the ice melt off the lake probably i don't know two three days ago so (laughs) haven't been out fishing yet but supposed to to warm up here shortly so hopefully get out by the weekend if not next week
3: how awesome was it for you to watch your boy jeff gustafson win the bassmasters i know we had him on our show he talked about his relationship with you but what was that like for you to watch him win that
4: yeah it was nerve-wracking to be honest and i know um so i was with Bufflin down in Florida, and Bufflin went to um, Knoxville to see him for the Sunday, and I was gonna go, and then I was like nervous, and then I was like kind of superstitious, so I'm like, if I go, and then it doesn't go well, and so, like and then you're just there, and you know you think that you're kind of part of the problem. Um, so I stayed in Florida and I watched it on the computer, and that whole day man was that nerve-wracking
3: <laughs> with one fish one was it one fish, fish?
4: yeah We, one had, fish two, we had one until so i was walking my dog with my wife and he caught the first one at like 10 and i was like okay now we're good now we're gonna go <laughs> and then hours went by and then another one at like maybe noonish, and then it was just it was tough to watch like it was you just wanted to catch one so bad yeah. and luckily it was it was enough because I think everybody that I talked to was doing the math in their head. And as guys were going through the weigh-in, it's like, okay, he needs this, he needs this. And then it's like (laughs) two 18-inch smallmouth, probably about three pounds, so he probably has it. And then um, once he finally won, I just, like, I pounded the table, and my wife just looked at me, I'm like, Sorry, I was a little nervous on that one.
3: (laughs) Did you sell harder for that or when you won the Stanley Cup? Yeah, probably the
4: Cup, but I think that one was more just relief of, like, obviously wanting him to do well and and just, just happy when it was finally over and he won.
2: Our guest is Mike Richards, two-time Stanley Cup champion, the only man to be part of two teams to come back from a 3-0 series deficit. And you mentioned how nervous you were watching your buddy Gussie at the Bassmasters. You can empathize with Maple Leafs fans over the last week or so against Florida. They're down 3-0. There's not a lot of positivity oozing after that Sunday night loss in overtime, Mike. But you've been part of two-three two teams that have come back from these type of deficits. What would your advice be to this Leafs team about... Starting even tomorrow night on this monumental comeback,
4: yeah, I guess the advice would just be kind of what Sheldon said after the game is just get one, and um, you know you, you can 't win four in a row without getting the first one, obviously, and you just build off the shifts, um build off the periods, and then build off the games and For us, I know both times it was just we thought we were playing well, we just weren't getting the breaks, there were some overtime losses in there and um, I think once we got that first win and then the confidence started building and then by Game 7, um, we had so much confidence that I think it was just kind of a, a formality that we were we were going to win and come back at that point.
3: So Overdrive had uh, your former teammate Justin Williams on their show yesterday. And one of the things that he hi- highlighted in the, you know, belief in the comeback is that you have to have a buy-in from every single person in that room. And if there's one person that is not on board with it, he could be the guy that helps sinks the ship. Is that something that you noticed in both of your runs is that, you know, everybody was bought into the idea of whatever it takes to get done and you just found a way to create your own bounces?
4: Yeah, yeah, that's that's very well said. Actually, it's um, you just you just when you're down three nothing, you eliminate all um, kind of room for error. And when you don't have everybody bought in, then all of a sudden um, the momentum starts going in the other direction instead of with you. And I think, like Justin said, if it's not twenty guys pulling in the same direction, you're probably not going to have success. And I think when you're down three. Nothing. You you, you kind of lose the ability to kind of get past a, a bad goal, a bad turnover, and you almost have to play perfect hockey for four games. And the Leafs are kind of in that spot right now, where um, I think turnovers, have, you know, kind of stunned them a little bit. There's been a bad goal here and there, and um, I guess it's going to take four games of protecting the puck. Everyone's got to be at the top of their game, and if they're going to come back, they're going to they're need everybody in that dressing room, that's for sure.
2: Mike Richards is our guest. I think back to 2009, 2010, when your Flyers came back from that 3 nothing series deficit against Boston. You guys were down. 3 nothing in game number seven and came back and won, and you had some real catalysts. Like you had a bunch of injuries that series. I remember it very well. Simon Gagné, I think, came back in game four or five. I know Jeff Carter was out, but I think it's pretty obvious that it's incumbent on the Maple Leafs' best players to be their best players and lead them so when you think about what the task the least best players are up against in the Florida Panthers, what can you share from the best guys on Philly, which of course you were one of them, uh, both with Philly and with the LA Kings, so what were some of the conversations like amongst the top guys who were running the power play and, and scoring all the points back in those days
4: Yeah, I think it just goes back to um, having everybody in the room and when your top guys are going um, I, don't, I think the the guys kind of near the bottom of the roster just kind of follow along, and um, it seemed like actually kind of looked over it a little bit um, this morning and a little bit yesterday. But I remember Sam Olgani scored the winning goal in Game Seven. We were down three nothing in Game Seven in that Boston series. Um, I think I remember scoring a goal. Chris Pronger was like a huge part. So like when your top guys are going, it's a lot easier for um, the guys in the third, fourth line, fifth, sixth defenseman to kind of get pulled with it, too. And the same thing when I was with L.A. Um, we won that game four, and then, you know, we, we had the best goaltender in the world at the time, which helped. Um, but it was just everybody pulling in the, the same direction. Everybody, you know, never gave up. Um, and obviously, playoff hockey, you have to get some bounces, and we ended up doing that. We won some game of, games in overtime, and um, I think that's the beauty of playoff hockey. You just never know what could change a series or what could change um, the outcome of a game. And um, it could happen in the first five minutes of the first period or it could happen in the first five minutes of the, uh, the third period. It's, it's awesome. And uh, you just never know when it's going to come, and that's what uh, the importance of playing the full 60 minutes
2: is. Mike Richards, our guest, the pride of Kenora, Ontario, two-time Stanley Cup
3: champion. Coco? Richie, when you look at this Maple Leafs team, and I I would imagine you've watched their three games so far. They're playing against a Florida team that has that belief in them because they've already come back from a 3-1 series deficit, and they're playing with so much momentum. But if you had to sort of um, highlight one thing in their game that can change the potential outcome that they want to get with a win. What do you think the Maple Leafs need to do a better job at?
4: Yeah, probably just getting past their forecheck. I think right now they, uh, they're they getting in there on, on the least defensemen. And I think you saw it a little bit, too, at the beginning of, of last game where they started generating some two-on-ones. Um, right off the start of that game, and it just bypassed their their pressure on the four check and ended up um, getting some chances. So, um, I mean, Ford's playing well. I, I think it's just a, a basic, typical playoff hockey team right now. They're getting great goaltending, um, scoring big goals at, at big times, and, and they're a physical team. So, anytime you have a physical team, um, you, have, you have to move the puck quickly. Um, Probably turnovers, I think, would be the biggest thing for the Leafs from what I've seen, and just don't get discouraged. Don't, I guess, don't try to force it as, as much as I think they have been, because um, that's when when turnovers
2: start. Mike, you've been such a clutch playoff performer throughout your NHL career. I love hearing stories about playing through injuries. Like if I can recall correctly, did you have a torn labrum in both of your shoulders and like you didn't miss a single game? Like after the season you had like a surgery on one and you had to wait to have a surgery in the other because yeah. you wanted some yeah. functionality. Yeah. Like take us through that one. I love those stories.
4: Yeah. Uh it was against when what year was? It? I can't even remember what year. Um but I think we went to the conference finals that year and had uh both torn labrums and then a torn rotator cuff in my in my one shoulder and Jeez. yeah it, it kind of <laughs> happened mid season and you just kept playing with it kept playing with it and then uh at the end of the season you had to do them two weeks apart just uh, to be able to function so I was like <laughs> You have to, like, sleep with two slings on, so you kind of seem like a, a laying in bed, like a little bit of a mummy once you get both of them done. But, um, I mean, that's playoff hockey. That's why you do it. Oh, I, I,
3: remember, I remember I remember hearing that. the story of Gary Roberts doing both hips. Yeah. And he, and he would always joke about going to the bathroom and always needing help yeah. <laughs> going to the bathroom. <laughs> that's the same scenario with you where life was just about getting help with everything yeah, that you was, did?
4: At that time, it was just, um, yeah, you, you basically need help.
3: Had to install Get a bidet in on, the bathroom. <laughs>
4: getting a sweater on, getting um, obviously cooking, getting meals, stuff like that. But the craziest thing that I've seen is um, uh, when we were in Philly, uh, Jason Smith had two I think it was either dislocated or separated shoulders, and he played through it. And you could just see him the next morning come to the rink, and he couldn't even lift his arms up, and he'd just be like, you know, how'd you sleep last night? And he would just (laughs) kind of be like, well, we've got about 45 minutes. And then that night, like, he played physical. Man, was he physical. (laughs) And with two separated or dislocated shoulders, he couldn't even lift his arms up, and he just had that forearm shiver, and you wouldn't even be able to tell. So... That's the beauty of playoff hockey. You just never really know what these guys are going through right now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like you don't hear anyone making excuses. It's pretty awesome what what guys will do to win that Stanley Cup. It,
2: it, if that's the NBA, those like Jason Smith would retire. Like he'd be done. Yeah, yeah, like okay, probably it's probably over. It. You know, like, oh my yeah. God! I guess that's done. Go ahead, Carlo.
3: NBA? Well, I can't wipe my bum. I mean, there's no way. Yeah. Uh just quickly before we let you go Richie watching this Maple Leafs team do you think they have what it takes to come back from 3 nothing
4: I think they have the players to do it um I think looking to, watching tomorrow night I think is going to be the big thing like if they come out um and Austin and Mitch and and Morgan Riley are kind of leading the charge um I think that'll be the big thing. Is just getting getting off to a good start, kind of getting a little bit of confidence in that dressing room, um, and then kind of go from there. It's tough. Like you need some you need some bounces, and there's just no other way to put it. If you don't get the bounces, it's going to be tough to do. But um, I heard you guys yesterday, and, and you got to kind of create your own bounces. You have to earn them, um, and they haven't been doing that as much or as consistently i think in the first couple games as they did last series so um i think you'll you'll probably have a good idea after the first period tomorrow night to see to see how they come out and if they come out hard and 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 play good hockey i think that they'll start believing slowly but surely and if not i think it'll be it'll be over pretty quick
2: Mike, always a treat to have you on the show. Thank you for doing this. Hopefully, you're able to wet some lines this weekend up in Kenora. Get rid of that ice. I mean, ice. I mean, it's like 20 degrees here in Toronto. So Yeah, seriously. It's May
0: already. Let's go.
2: Yeah. Exactly. I'm with you, uh, th- Thanks, man. We appreciate your time. All right, anytime, guys. Have a good day. Thanks, pal. See ya. Mike Richards.
0: You're listening to the All-In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. To hear more of First Up, tune in weekday mornings from 6 till 10. This is the all in Leafs playoffs podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place.
5: Holy back of the... Welcome into Leafs lunch on TSN 1050. Julia Sherry, and Mike DeStefano with you and our TSN hockey insider. Darren Dreger is on the phone right now. How's it going, Dregs?
6: Phone's well, it's going well. Uh, I'm just trying to recover from uh, seeing your social media posts on the weekend at the. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Swift concert where you look like a drowned rat because it was raining. I looked but... much cuter
5: than that, Dregs. How could you say yeah, that? I looked very you cute. Were
6: a <laughs> princess
1: drowned rat. Let's let's <laughs> uh, we can we can go there. How about that, Julia? Okay, but so
5: that goes, goes into the timer. Like
6: by the way, right?
5: Yep. Thank you. It wasn't yeah. lucky, but it, it did. Oh my gosh, Dregs! That was really funny.
6: sugar daddy and
5: sugar mommy is number one on your quotes on this show and number two i think is you look like a drought
1: rat that was pretty good
4: that was pretty good
1: uh dregs look i I know that you are you know a a centrist journalist with with no allegiances here but i gotta ask you how how's mason dregger feeling a week ago or a couple weeks ago you told us that he told you that this team is different they're never out of it has he still got that type of
6: optimism Yes, but it's waning. Obviously, I you know I feel like they've got to win a game or two, and if they win a game, then it develops into a series. Right now, it's not right. You're down three games to love. Um, there's no pressure, as Matthew Kachuk talked about today on the Florida Panthers. But all of a sudden, Toronto finds a way to gut it out and and gets that win tomorrow night, and things shift a little bit. And then if one win turns into two, and now it's a three two series. Now the pressure fully goes over to the Florida Panthers because, you know, they've got to find a way to close. I, I still think that the Florida Panthers are going to win the series, but I've got enough respect for the talent of the Toronto Maple Leafs and everything that they're made of that they're not going to be swept, that they're going to find a way to claw back in, in some way. But again, let's, let's take a closer look at, at the Florida Panthers. And one thing that I've been reminded of is how key a higher level of goaltending is as a main ingredient to any level of success, mm. right? And you look at the Florida Panthers this year, and yeah, they went through injuries, all teams do, and they didn't like their schedule in the first half, and you know, then their schedule opened up in the second half. But their goaltending was kind of all over the place. Well, they've gotten a higher level of goaltending. They did in the Boston Bruins series. Bobrovsky comes into that series late. He's fresh so that they can push through even Game 2 of, of this second round where Florida was basically out of gas mentally and physically, and Borbowski kept them in. And then they had the extra day time off, and they were able to recharge and reset and, and found a way again to, to win in Game 3. So Florida's a really good team. You don't dispatch a record-setting Boston Bruins club the way they did in the dramatic Game 7 fashion without having a lot of the boxes ticked. And that's what the Maple Leafs are finding out now. But Toronto is too good to go down in four straight. So I think they win at least a game.
5: Yeah, Florida is more than a respectable opponent. If Toronto didn't think that coming into it, they know it now. But when it comes to the Leafs' dregs, how surprised are you that, I feel comfortable saying through nine games in this postseason, we have not seen the Leafs' best hockey or or maybe even close to it.
6: No, I, I think that's true. Um, but how much of that is on Florida and the way they play? And then Both how Florida much teams, that, though? What's that? Both
5: Florida teams, though, and Tampa too? Yeah.
6: No, I get it. No, I, I guess. What I, no, I'm looking specifically at the Panthers yeah. here. Um, you know, and Paul Maurice kind of showed his hand prior to the start of the series. He said, look, you know, we are an attacking, forechecking checking team. That's how we play. You know, after game one, I, like how many hits did Florida register like 47 I think and and Maurice felt like they needed to be more physical well that's as advertised that's the way they like to play and that's how you combat the speed of of the Maple Leafs but you know now let's look at what Toronto isn't doing and we can see that if we want to use Mitch Miner as an example he is different in this panther series than he was in the lightning series yeah. and he's different in the playoffs than he was in the regular season and and maybe that's just the intensity of the playoffs too right because you don't have as much time and space and there is more you know physical pressure particularly in this this best of 7 against the panthers um so you know i i can appreciate how difficult it is for him out there he always seems to have the puck, so that's why you know the, the turnovers are more prevalent with Mitch Miner than maybe any other Toronto Maple Leaf player. I'm not making up excuses for this guy. You know he's got to find a way to deliver. That's what he's paid to do. No different than Austin Matthews, John Tavares, William Nylander, go down the list. So I I, I guess I'm I'm more surprised that Florida the Panthers have been able to execute their game plan. Um, to the point where they've they've neutralized the the big guns of the Maple Leafs. I mean, these guys are firing blanks, and I wouldn't have expected that.
1: No, and and I think that's probably what's kind of most disappointing to to most Leaf fans. I mean, look, Johnny Mike Johnson's usually you know a pretty glass half full kind of guy, and even yesterday right. he was on our show, him. he was on overdrive, and and somewhat at a loss for words about how poorly yeah. the big boys in particular, you know, just were no shows in game number yeah. three. Like to you is is. I mean, is that a defining moment for the core in a bad way where this, yeah. the season's on the line and not one of them showed
6: up to play? Well, it, it could be. You know, I mean, I think we've, to be fair, we've, we've seen William Nylander, you know, have spurts yep. where you see that flash and he makes a nice play. I mean... The 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 leaf's goal where he drew the assist, I mean, that's just Neilander not giving up the zone on the puck and buying a little bit of time, creating space so that he can make a play. Um, you know, Matthews looks like he's forcing that shot and it looks like he's going blocker side on Broboski trying to find a hole that isn't there, but he hits the post. If that goes inside post, you know, maybe things turn differently. But that's not where the series is at anymore. So You can't come up with mischances and the what-ifs. You know, these guys are paid a premium dollar to deliver and execute, and they just haven't been able to do that. So you do have to give credit to Florida for playing the way that they've played. But when you look at the talent assembled in that core four especially, um, I mean, I put them up close to any team in the league other than maybe the Edmonton Oilers because McDavid and Drysaddle are in a different stratosphere compared to where Matthews, Minor, Nylander, and Tavares are right now. So it, let's say just you know, for sake of this conversation, if Toronto loses in four or five, I think there's a big difference between losing in four and five as opposed to losing in six and, or seven because mm-hmm. then you've clawed back and maybe that core shows you something. If they go out in four or five, and that group doesn't deliver in any fashion offensively, well, then I think you have to have some difficult conversations as a hockey operations department in the off season. It's not just about Kyle Dubas. Everybody's caught up with Kyle Dubas and his contract extension because his, his deal is expiring. I understand that. Um, you know, it's not just about a target that perhaps is attached to Sheldon Keefe as head coach. You have to look at this core over the last, what, seven years? Yeah. And if they can't get it done, then, yeah, maybe it's time to have a difficult conversation about potentially moving one of those with bigger contracts and extensions looming. And the fact, I believe Barner's no move clause kicks in this summer, right? Yeah. So there's there's some pretty hefty conversations that I'm sure – Brendan Shanahan and uh, potentially Kyle Dubas are going to have to have if they bow out in four or five. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: it, just like not that I, I, I completely agree with, with a lot of that sentiment, and I know that we have to give some credit to the Florida Panthers and how they've played. But when I look around the league, like I'm 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 seeing other teams find a way. Right? Like, I'm seeing yeah. the Seattle Kraken breakthrough against the Dallas Stars yeah, yeah. for seven goals. I'm seeing, you know, the New Jersey Devils who only scored two goals yeah. through the first two games. All of a sudden, Jack Hughes says, you know what? I'm going to find a way to make space and make things happen. Has a four point night and they hang eight yeah. on the Hurricanes. Like, I think that's where I have a tough time stomaching, you know, saying, well, Florida's not letting them do it. Well, I don't think these other teams are letting them do it either, but the star players are figuring out a way to get through it, and that's just what Toronto's not doing.
6: Uh, And they haven't done it for seven years. I agree. I I wholeheartedly agree. And look, these players that are being identified here, this comes as no surprise, and nor do they feel like they're being unfairly criticized. They haven't been able to deliver. Now, I liked Austin Matthews' comments after Game 3, when he was asked about the fact that, you know, the four guys in question here haven't scored. Well, they're trying to score. It's not like they don't want to <laughs> right. score. They want yep. to score. They just they they haven't found a way yet to cross or, you know, any level of sustained pressure outside of a shift here or there. You know, you talked about world-class talent when you talk about, You know, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and John DeVaris and and William Nylander, to name but a few. But as was recognized post-game three, when David Kampf and Sam Lafferty are your top two forwards, um, that's a great thing when you're winning games and you're going deep into the playoffs and you're getting depth production from your bottom six. It is not a good thing when that's all you've got going in game three of a best of seven and you've already lost the first two. So, um, I, again, I, you know, if if Toronto extends a series, and I think they do win game four, it's going to have to be because those guys show up and finally find a way to beat Bobrovsky.
5: Yep, uh, with our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger. So, they need to score some goals, but it'd be better if the Florida Panthers scored a little or fewer on them. Uh, Brody and McCabe have, have been on the ice for a lot of the goals against and they were only yeah. on for one against in the Tampa series. So how much is the right. struggles of that duo factoring into to where the Leafs are at today?
6: Yeah, I, I'm hearing you, Julie, and I, you know, I guess we're looking back at game three and that, that glaring set of mistakes that was made, uh, particularly in this case by TJ Brody on the overtime winner by Reinhardt, right? But, you know, you want to do a deeper dive into that game. You know, Jared Arnold looks like a 40-year-old now, unfortunately, you know, his heart is in it. He, yeah. he just, He probably can't keep up anymore and that's recognized in his time on ice. Um, You know, Luke Shen, I think has been a terrific ad for the Maple Leafs. You know, he looked like he was lagging a little bit in game three and, and, and McCabe is relatively inexperienced. He's got that physical element to him. um, But, you know, this is a higher level and a pace of play and a level of intensity that he doesn't have a ton of experience in. He, He doesn't. And, Look, I I don't like piling on individual players. Obviously Sheldon Keefe likes the game that Justin Hall provides, particularly on the penalty kill. But he's struggled for a long time. He has. And, and, you know, they just, they, they don't either want to recognize it or just don't feel like there's another better option. And I don't know what happened to Timothy Lilligren in the second half of the season. Maybe it because, maybe it's because he was out. Um, and got passed by other players, but his confidence has gone out the window. So now, all of a sudden, collectively, right, it's not just about that one pairing. It's about a group of defense that aren't the reason. They're not the reason why the Maple Leafs are, are trailing three games to love in this series, but they're a part of it, right? Um, because, you know, I had this conversation with someone earlier today. You can't convince me that Florida, the, the Panthers' blue line is better than the Maple Leafs. You can't. No. Um, And then I look at the New Jersey Devils. I happen to like their defense because they're so big and they cover a lot of ice. But you can build a case there that Toronto's defense is as good as New Jersey's, right? Um, And then you look at Carolina and, okay, I'll concede that the Carolina Hurricanes' defense is better. But it's collectively how things are unraveling for this team offensively and defensively that has them in a pickle.
1: In conversation with Darren Dreger, TSN Hockey Insider. Um, Samsonov went down in Game Three to injury. Heard yesterday, Sheldon Keith say he's feeling a little bit better, but uh, you know, obviously hasn't said whether or not he's going to play tomorrow. Do you have right. any more information on that situation? And if it's not Samsonov, is it a, a foregone conclusion that it's Walls' crease tomorrow, or you think there's yeah. a conversation to be had about Matt Murray?
6: Yeah, well, I'm sure they've had that conversation. For me, it would be Joe Wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not just because of the way that Matt Murray was playing before he got injured. Um, it's also the injury being factored into this, right? I mean, he's practicing. He's not playing. Like, is, is that too much, even though he's a veteran player with Stanley Cup winning experience and the experience of dealing in high pressure situations, which tomorrow obviously is going to be high pressure. You know, do you lean into that? So I think that that's why there has to be a conversation. Um, but, Joe Wall is backing up for a reason, right? I mean, as as Sheldon Keefe acknowledged after game three, Matt Murray is healthy. He was cleared and, and could have backed up Samsonoff and they opted not to. And and I think that aside from the misread on the overtime winner, which, you know, Wall is expecting his defense to look after Sam Ryan. Yeah. But there is a misread there on the wraparound. I thought he played very, very well. I thought he played well enough that he deserves the start if Samsonov isn't able to go. And, I mean, based on the medical language they were using yesterday about him needing an MRI and more testing, it seems and feels like a stretch, but Samsonov's a gamer, so I guess we'll have to wait and see uh, as to when or if Sheldon discloses before tomorrow or before tomorrow night's game.
5: Yeah, interesting situation, no matter how you shake it, though.
6: You're listening to the All-In Leafs Playoffs
0: Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. To hear more of Leafs Lunch, tune in weekdays from noon till 2. This is the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place.
6: Bless you, boys!
7: We got a big one today. We got Chris Pronger in an hour. That's a theme on the station recently, right? Because Prongs was on that Flyers team that was down 0-3 back in the day. So he yeah. was he was on that team. And we had Mike Richards on the morning show this morning. We had Justin Williams on our show yesterday. Everyone's trying to find some sort of inspiration. Just hanging Leafs, right? on for dear life. Just hanging on for dear well, life. That's, I, what I mean, that's what it is. I mean,
8: that's what it is. You find these. But it'll be interesting to see if all of them have the same type of storyline. It was like we all – You know, had a conversation like I know it can't be reported, but do you think that this Leafs teams had a closed door meeting? Have they had a hey, let's meet for a beer somewhere and talk about this like that's the type of stuff that you hear about. That would be the only thing
9: worthwhile, Jamie. Guys, let's go. Let's go have some lunch, have a beer and let's just talk about things and maybe we can rally the troops here. Some kind of hero closed door moment or meeting. At this particular point, it's nonsense. If you want to talk amongst yourself, there's probably a meeting room for the players, a, a yeah. meal room. You could talk there, but to, to, to try to have some heroic closed-door meeting at this point, sorry. Well, and, and apparently and, the the players are getting pissy, saying, we don't care what you guys in the media say. It's like, I don't know why that – okay, you don't care what we say. Then just go out there and play then.
7: Well, we have the clip. I, why don't we play it? Because it, it's not – Yeah some guys it's mitch marner and marner's been in the crosshairs more than anyone i would suggest and deservedly so based on the way he's played uh and this is what mitch had to say a couple hours ago when he was asked about you know the white noise and and you know everyone's opinions on the outside of of the dressing room here's what he had to say about that
4: i mean yeah i think i heard austin and. You know, I think we've been saying it this whole time. I mean, we don't care what you guys say. We don't listen to you guys outside of this locker room. Uh, we're just focused on ourselves and
6: uh, this group in here.
7: So here's where – I have a different view on this because I think if I read that quote and it was from basically any other player, I would have the reaction of, why are you even going down that road? A, it's not true. Like everyone – you guys have always said it. player, you right. can pretend as if it doesn't get into the room. Everyone knows what people are saying. Clips are going viral. You know, what's in the newspaper? What's online? He's, these are young guys who are online all the time. They're sitting in their hotel rooms on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the time. Yeah. But with Marner, he's never been comfortable with the media. He's never been comfortable. He's, he's always looked and felt uncomfortable to me. And I think this is just another example of that, where that's the cliche answer. The cliche answer is, we don't care, you know, nothing matters. And I think that's all that is. Like, I don't even think, like, he went into it thinking, I'm going to take a shot at the media or a shot at the fans or I need to put, I'm going to get pissy today. I honestly think he drew off a cliche that he believes is the cliche answer, and that's what it right. was. I, I, and, and that's how I read Marner, and I always have. He's never given, like, loose, comfortable commentary at any point in his, his time in Toronto. He's yeah. not comfortable in front
8: of a mic. Uh, that's what it is. I always, and this is the wrong word, but I always feel like he's defiant towards it. Like a, like he, he gets it. This is a guy who, who grows up here, He who knows it. His buddies are invested in it. Like he probably hears it more than anybody. And And it's unfortunate because I guarantee you this guy loves this market, loves this team, loves everything about it. And it's tough when things aren't going the way you planned because he probably wears it a lot more than other guys who either aren't from here or maybe aren't as, you know, right in the crosshairs because Mitch is a star player. Hmm. But I've always felt, and I don't know if that's the right word, like he, he, I think he comes by it honestly where he's like, I don't, you know. I don't care. I just what was the comment? It's like my dog doesn't judge me or something. Like there's, there's yeah, he said that earlier good, in the year, which was yeah, strange.
7: But, Again, no one was being really but, critical
8: but, of but, him at that but point. But I, I, I get that word where it's <laughs> defiant isn't the right word. He's just like he doesn't want to deal with it. He's like, and, and that's kind of where if I was him, just go the other way. It's like, listen, we're doing what we can here. We're not we're not trying to have any outside influences. And like, it I think he's trying to articulate that, but it just comes off as a little bit for lack it just of better doesn't words, even it sense you know, it doesn't make sense the comment it doesn't make sense the comment
9: if he doesn't care what we're saying how does he know that we're saying negative things fact like that that doesn't make sense in itself it's just i don't know why he went down that road today of all places why not just say we got to lay it all out in the ice there's nothing much else to say like to yeah. say we don't care what you guys think i mean it's just it's it's a nothing comment it's not like people are going to get bent out of shape about it yeah but he just I, – I, I don't know why he went
7: down that road. Well, it doesn't help him because, you know, uh, naturally people are going to take that and say, I wouldn't expect this player to say that, right? I, I've never heard Sid say that. I don't right. think, you know, this guy would say that or that guy or whatever. Like it's – it is a scenario where it's like, guys, you're the ones that have dug the hole. You're the ones right. that are on three. You're the ones that, that didn't play well the other night. You know, just own that. And what do yeah. you expect? They don't they, ever own it, though. But Brian. that's the they're problem. always it's, like we it's had some loss, and fault. we had
9: a post, and we didn't get power plays. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard one of them say I was terrible out there tonight,
7: or look pissed off, right? Like really snap and say I'm not doing this, or or yeah, they just that's not how they're wired. That's not how they're programmed. And yet, with everything that was said yesterday, coming off Game Three, as you reset for Game Four it goes right back to those core guys, right? Like if they have any chance of winning tomorrow night, they've got to be great. Like they've got to elevate their games and they should feel lucky that they still have that opportunity to do that.
8: Yeah. I remember playing in Calgary and, you know, I always took my cues from a guy like Aginla, you know, who was always in the crosshairs, made the most on the team, him and Kiprasov and, but they were under the most amount of pressure. And there would be times where Iggy wouldn't score in 10 games, and it would be on the front cover of the Calgary Sun. What's wrong with Iggy? Time to trade Iggy. Like, And he'd be in the media be like, I can't wait for tomorrow's game. I, I'm so excited about it because I want to change the narrative. I want to be a difference maker. And I'd be staring at him going, what the hell? Like, I, I'd be so mad, and I would have anxiety for him because I'm like, this guy is just taking bullets left and right. And here he is, is just embracing it. This is awesome, Jamie. Can't wait. Cause wait, wait till I start scoring. I'll show everybody. Like it was kind of a different uh, approach that he had. But I, me as an athlete, I never felt like that. I never, I, I never had that type of confidence where Jerome was like, you know what, it's going to turn. I can't wait for it. Like right. And and that's how he projected. Where other guys are just like, hey, you know. I don't hear. I don't care about the noise. Everyone handles it differently. I'm not judging Mitch for the way it is. Bottom line is, Mitch has to have a game tomorrow, and and so does the rest of the guys on that team. Or else we're talking Thursday about uh, missed opportunity. That's really what it yeah, is. Yes,
7: and possibly sweeping changes, and who's oh, going to yeah. have wow. to you know fall on the sword for all of that? Right. Um, and that's that's what's facing them. Is they have they still have a chance to build out of it? But you're right. I mean, exuding confidence is always a good thing. It's like it is what separates general – like everyone's got talent. And sure, some guys have more talent than the others. But the right. great players, they have more talent and they also have more confidence, more belief. They show up every night and they're like, I know what I'm going to do. Like I'm right. well aware of what I'm going to do. And I'm not sure that confidence is there in these these players.
6: You doesn't know, look like point, it. It's,
7: yeah, it's tough to say that it is um, prior to the game. Like I, I and then you look at the other side of it, like Matthew Kachuk said today, the Panthers are facing no pressure, which I don't believe because now you're up three nothing, you're at home, you gotta close.
9: He's like, been hammering the underdog thing and yeah. you know, we don't you know, we're playing with house he's he's throwing out all the cliches. Right. He's he's gone back to the well a few times. Which, on that one. And I he's mean, trying
7: to hold on to it until they actually win the round. And then is, I'll bet you he'll play it probably in the next round too. I wouldn't be surprised at all.
8: Well, which is fair, realistically, because if you look at every betting line, every person, including the three of us on this panel, like I had the Leafs winning in five, thinking that that like we had nobody, nobody in this world had Florida beating Boston, you know, like it just they can play that card because hey, you know what, people don't think we're for real. Like that's now they do have to close. There is some pressure in closing, but I, I, I mean. Coming into it, I've I talked to several people today, but like, yeah, I can I see the Leafs coming back. Like, it's that there's still thought process there where it's like, yeah, that's that's Florida. Yeah, don't worry about Florida.
7: Yeah, I and guess that's yeah, the angle, right? Is like this Florida revert back to what we saw all year. What right? do you think the chances of that happening? I don't like days? the chances. No, no, I don't. And and it's on the Leafs to force that. As much as, you know, the, the Florida's not just going to magically show up and be awful tomorrow night. The least have to push them down that road, right? Like, it obviously starts with one win at a time. You get one, right. then you make them fly up here, make them think. If you win game five, then all bets can be off, right? Like, you got to get to game six before you can even contemplate the idea of one team really gaining momentum and the other team really losing it. Right? It, it just, just winning tomorrow night doesn't change anything. It just it pushes your survival down a couple of days. Yep. But if you win game five, then the pressure really flips because now Florida's going home and they're thinking, if we don't close this, we're screwed. Or, right? We're like, if you don't win seven. the game six at home and it's got to go back to seven, they could be in big trouble. And what's interesting about where the Leafs are at right now, and I think the mentality of the fan base, is there was some massive news today. Like an hour ago, it was announced, Joseph Wall is starting tomorrow night. Joseph Wall is playing, and it I don't think it's garnering that much of a reaction. Where imagine if the Leafs were up two one, and this was happening, or if they were down two one and they were still in the series, this would be mass, This would be panic inducing. Hey, quite it's, frankly. it's
9: not garnering a lot of attention. You know why? Because the idea of putting the other guy in there
7: is scary as
9: hell. That's why.
7: You're talking Matt Murray?
9: Yeah. Yeah. That's why a, it's agreed. not guarded it's like there's basically no other option. This guy's won two point. Stanley Cups and he's just it just can't happen. That that's right. where it's at. That's where I that decision was at.
7: What I'm saying is the fact that Samsonov can't go, like if you lose your starting goalie in the second round, that is as panic it's inducing huge. as anything. It's exactly. Huge. Like that is massive. If you lose your goalie out of nowhere. But And that's what's happened. Like, Samsonov's not playing. I would assume he doesn't play again the rest of the round if it's just a foregone conclusion he's not playing tomorrow. Maybe he returns later on if they're still alive. But if it was like Samsonov's out and he could be out for a while and the Leafs still had a chance or people believed it, it would be breaking news, people freaking out. And I understand what you're saying in terms of those two options. But that's a different topic. Um, And it does say something about where Matt Murray's at and I guess where the Leafs are at. The right. fact that he's been cleared, he's on the bench. Wall gets hurt in warm-up tomorrow night. He's got to play. But they're not even – like, it, it It begs the question, and again, now is probably not the time because they're still playing. But if you can't even put him in in this situation, what were you ever bringing him in for? <laughs> like, the whole point of bringing in Matt Murray was, well, he's got two cups and maybe he can get it done in the playoffs. And here's an opportunity for him to go in and possibly do something for you. And they're passing on that. And I think it's the right play. I think well, they made the right call. I think Joseph Wall should start. But what the hell – why did you ever bring him in? Dude, what was the point of bringing point him where in? Where you you, you just can't play him tomorrow.
9: In. The routine, it just gets to a point where it's like, I'm not going down that road anymore. Go in, play a period, somebody bumps into you, hurt, fall down, miss a month, hurt. You just get to the point where you're like, just like in a relationship when you used to get broken up with in high school, Hazy. Someone says I'm not doing it anymore. Oh, really? Yeah.
7: Yeah. <laughs> what you can't why, put yourself. Why in those is he shoes? the guy? Yeah.
8: Why is he the guy that can't uh, I'll be, I'm Joseph up with
7: Wall. I, I come in out of nowhere, and all of a sudden I'm a rock star. <laughs> There's a real opportunity for Wall to launch his career here. Like that's another thing. You look at these these guy these core four players like the studs. You would think they go into tomorrow and they're like, guys, we, if anything, we can't let this guy be hung out to dry. Like, we got, a, we got a rookie in net. Let's play for him. Yeah.
9: There's only you know? one thing to do, man. And it's almost like I feel like this is just this big mashup of memories and thinking of things to say going into, like, game seven of the – like I was just thinking of the early sports center. Like, how many different ways can you say they got to have a game? Like, we got to do some hits for SportsCenter tomorrow. I have no idea. Like, what what are you supposed to say? Oh, Matthews and Marner have to be, have to be better? No kidding. Right. Everyone like, knows. Oh, there's that. only one thing left to say, and it's show everyone, most importantly yourselves, that you can play according to the situation. And the situation was the same the last game as it's going to be tomorrow night. You're fighting for your life and you didn't do it the last game, can you flip the switch and actually act like you fight for your life or care about it this much? The coach made a comment after game two, I believe, or it might have been game one. You know, they would have done that or they will do that if they're, if they're serious about winning. Well, thus far, they haven't proven they're that serious about anything. So let's just see what you got. You got one game to play according to the situation because you fell miserably short the last time out. Yeah. yeah. What else you gonna do? Yeah, there's not
7: much. Like they're changing the lines a bit, changing the D pairings. You know, you're rearranging the decks, like the yeah. the chairs on the Titanic, deck of the Titanic say. right now.
0: You're listening to the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast, the best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. To hear more of Overdrive, tune in weekdays from four to seven.